Good evening, everyone. It's wonderful to be back with you for another evening message. This week, we're going to explore the theme of the role of a servant. And our lessons will seek to answer what we can learn from various servants that we find in Scripture. Tonight, we're going to be exploring Jesus and the lessons from his 12 disciples. Other servants we will be exploring include Joab and David, Eleazar and Elijah and Gehazi. So but before we turn to Jesus and his 12 disciples tonight, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we lift up your name tonight. God, in the noise, you can bring quiet. In the noise of everything around us, Lord, for some of us, it's internal noise. God, you can bring peace. We can feel your comfort, God. Lord, we want to focus our attention tonight. Some of us have had long days. Some of us have had a long week. But God, we're here to focus our attention tonight on you and your word. We know whatever, Lord, you have for us this evening and this week, that it is good for us. All good things come from you. We thank you, Lord, for your word, your presence, for one another tonight, and ask you bless, Lord, those who are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hope everyone is doing well. I hope everyone is feeling well. Continue to keep your chin up and your head up, and uh, we'll get started tonight on our lesson. So what can we learn about the role of a servant in the example of the 12 disciples? If there's one thing that the 12 disciples uh, teaches us right off the bat, it's that anyone can be called to be a disciple of Christ. And when Jesus calls you to be his disciple, he expects that uh, we will also become servants of others. And I'll unpack that a bit as we turn to some scripture here in just a moment. Now, being a disciple means being a servant uh, when it comes to Jesus Christ. Now, there's 12 disciples that are listed in scripture. And I'm not going to go into great detail tonight about each of the 12 disciples. First of all, we don't have time for that. Second of all, scripture tells us more details about some disciples than they do others. Like we know a lot more about Peter and Matthew in scripture than we do some of the other 12 that are listed. Um, tonight, I had the help of Sister Erica, Erica Palmer, and she is going to be focusing on one of the disciples um, and bringing us uh, lessons from his life, but that'll be for a little bit later. But just at a glance, uh, Jesus called 12 unique and distinct men, we know. Uh, he called them to follow after him. To these 12 men, Jesus was their rabbi, their teacher. And it was known that a rabbi selected his own disciples. 
um, to be a disciple or a student of a rabbi meant that you were going to follow their ways and teachings. Um, so Jesus handpicked these 12 men. But similarly, when a disciple was chosen by a rabbi, he also had to make the choice to select that person as his teacher, as his rabbi. And he had to decide if he would accept the invitation to learn and walk with and follow the teachings of that rabbi. And so these 12 disciples of Christ all accepted his invitation to follow him. Now, the relationship between a rabbi and his disciples was very, very close. It was very, very intimate, if I can use that word, meaning that a rabbi poured all of his wisdom, everything he was, into his disciples so that in turn, the disciples would go and teach others everywhere what their rabbi had taught them. And so that's what Jesus did. The scriptures tell us his earthly ministry was about three and a half years. So when he called these 12 disciples, he spent uh, three and a half years with them, walking with them, instructing them, talking with them, living with them. Um, it was a very, very close-knit relationship between the disciples and Jesus. The scriptures list these 12 names. Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus. I might have butchered that. Simon, who was called the Zealot, Jude, and Judas Iscariot. Now, these 12 men were from different places. They were from different family backgrounds. They had different occupations even. Now, a handful of them from the scriptures, we know it says were fishermen. But not all of them were. We know Matthew was a, a publican or a tax collector. So my point is, is that Jesus selected this group of unique individuals to teach them everything he knew um, and, that, and to share everything that he wanted them to know about the will of the Father so that they would in turn teach everyone they encountered everywhere they went what he had taught them. In the Gospels, the Gospels all... Uh, capture Jesus and his teachings to his disciples. It's the sayings of Jesus. It's the stories of Jesus. It's all the instructions of Jesus to his disciples and um, various topics. But one topic that Jesus focuses on a lot is about how to serve. That as a disciple of Christ, you will be a servant of others. And this language of servant in, is used not only in reference to Jesus and what he expects of his disciples to be, but Jesus is use, uses it in reference to himself as well. In order to be a disciple of Christ, 
We must be servants. We must serve. Uh, we cannot call ourselves Christians if we do not serve others. Um, so let's look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, verses 34, sorry, 35 through 45. And I want us to listen to how Jesus instructs his disciples here. They are struggling with their understanding of what it means to be a servant. And so Jesus speaks about serving others. He says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the one he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And so what we see here is an interaction between Jesus and his disciples. And by this point in the story, this, is, this interaction is happening right before we read about the Last Supper that Jesus has with his disciples, and then his crucifixion follows after that. And so we know that this is coming close to the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. So the disciples have walked with Jesus, they followed his example, they've watched him live among people for about three years now, and they're still struggling with what it means to be a servant. They're still struggling with their role of a servant and understanding that. And so Jesus says, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people. You know the officials flaunt their authority over those among them, uh, sorry, over those under them. Jesus says, but among you, he's talking to his disciples, among my disciples, it will be different. Whoever wants to lead, you must serve. And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, just because they're officials, just because they have some clout in society, it doesn't exempt you from being called to serve. Pedigree won't exempt you from being a servant. Our age, we can't be too old, we can't be too young to serve. We can't be too good or too bad. We can't be too important and we can't be too unimportant. 
Nothing exempts us from serving if we are disciples of Christ. Jesus taught his disciples not only that they must serve if they are one of his, but he taught his disciples how to serve. And Sister Erica is going to look, take a closer look tonight at one of Jesus' disciples and draw out some lessons for us from the life of Peter. So I'm going to turn it over to Erica and let's hear what she has to say. So Meg has been talking about how the disciples exemplified the role of a servant from the scriptures. I'm going to look at the disciple Peter to help us understand what it means to be a servant of Christ. Using the example of Peter, the role of a servant includes adopting identity of Christ, being selfless, and being humble. Peter was a fisherman, hot-tempered, uneducated, and unafraid of others. But when Jesus called him in the Bible, he dropped everything and followed him. In Matthew 4:19, it says, Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. When Jesus calls us, we need to answer immediately. As a servant of Christ, we must drop the identity of our flesh and of the world and take on the identity of Christ. Taking on the role of a servant is not forced upon us. Jesus called us and we must answer him and choose to take on his identity. As we will see in the example of Peter, although Peter was a sinful man and unworthy, he chose to be a servant of Christ and to take on the identity of Christ. Peter continued to make mistakes repeatedly, but Jesus loved Peter wholeheartedly and continued to use him in his kingdom's work. Forming an identity of a servant requires you to be selfless and to be humble. The role of a servant is to be selfless. Even as mature Christians, the life of a servant is a bumpy road. Making mistakes or even sinning happens to the best of the servants too. Just because we stumble and fall does not mean that we lose our identity in Christ. Our Christianity does not cancel out or get voided because we make mistakes or mess up. Peter battled with his flesh. In Matthew chapter 26, Peter denies Christ three times and he pretended like he didn't even know him. Peter had been learning from Jesus for about three years. There was a close relationship and yet Peter let his flesh win and he denies that he he even knew Christ at all. In this example of Peter, this is the opposite opposite of selflessness. To be a servant, you must be selfless. It is hard to set self aside. Peter's fear and doubt got the best of him. And this is a good example of how the struggle of the role of a servant can be. This is why I chose Peter, because I identify with him the most. I know when I first responded to Christ, I was a hothead and I definitely was selfish. But God has worked in me and has softened my heart and has taught me how to be selfless. Just like he was patient with Peter, he has been very patient with me. God has softened my heart and has changed me. My other example of the role of a servant is having humility. 
As a servant of Christ, you must show humility. It brings us back into identifying with Christ and makes us right with God again. Peter's example shows the result of humility and repentance. The very last verse of chapter 26 in Matthew states, suddenly Jesus's words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. When we have done something wrong, we are to humble ourselves before God and God will show us his mercy, his love, and his grace. We read that Peter humbled himself before the Lord again and was forgiven. Humility might not feel good all the time because it's not easy. Being selfless is not easy either, but it is what is required as a role of a servant. It is a daily choice. There are a lot of lessons we can draw from the disciples. Using the example of Peter, the role of a servant includes adopting an identity in Christ, being selfless, and being humble. Even as a mature Christian, the life of a servant is a very bumpy road. If Jesus can deal with the disciples and all their shortcomings, he can definitely deal with you. If Jesus did not, did not deny Peter after he denied him, he will definitely not deny you. So that brings me hope, and I hope it does the same for you. Just because we stumble or make mistakes, thanks to Peter, we know we can make it right. As Dory would say, you got this, boo. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You know Peter was a fisherman, right? Fisherman. Ha <laughs> I got mom jokes. Bye, guys. <laughs> Erica always has a way to make us smile. Thank you, Erica, for your input tonight about the disciple Peter. I know that you told me he is someone you can really relate to. And I think a lot of us can. Peter is that example of the ups and the downs of the servant life. The ups and the downs. The struggle is real. Um, the, re the, the, the desire to want to be selfless. To want to show humility. But the reality that naturally, those traits, they are not natural to us. Our humanity, our flesh, desires to please self rather than serve others. And so thank you for those words tonight, Erica. There's one last passage that I want to take us tonight. Um, it's John chapter 13. And it's the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciple. When it comes to art, I really love the beautiful depictions that you can find of uh, the beautiful paintings you can find of this passage of scripture, Jesus washing the feet of his disciple. Uh, I'd like to read the passage starting in verse one of chapter 13. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, 
and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash, except for feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For you knew Jesus, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is their messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. In this passage of scripture, in my opinion, I think we find the ultimate example of talking the talk and walking the walk. Jesus not only instructed his disciples with his words on how to serve and what it means to be a servant, but Jesus showed them. He modeled what serving and what being a servant looked like. And out of anybody in the existence of time, uh, Jesus is the one who didn't have to do that. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Master, capital M. God of all creation. If there's anybody who didn't have to serve, it's him. And yet we see this beautiful illustration of a servant exemplified by Jesus himself to his disciples. This King of King, Lord of Lords, humbled himself. He lowered himself. Humility is lowering oneself, right? It's, it's, it's being lesser than the person, than others. And he washed the dirty, dusty, and I'm sure crusty feet of his disciples. If there's anything that depicts that role of a servant, it's this. The creator of all washed the feet of his creation. You, you can't get any lower than that. Masters don't typically serve. In fact, 
Masters don't serve at all, ever. They exist to be served. But in typical Jesus fashion, he broke a lot of rules. And Jesus modeled to his disciples that everyone, if you are his, you will serve all. Even the master served. Jesus exemplified this role of a servant so well. And he expect, it, it, during that time when he was instructing and modeling what a servant is to his disciples, he expected that his disciples would do the same. They would follow him in his teaching and his ways. And he expects the same from his disciples from his church today. He made it clear that any disciples of his must be servants of all. And in that same way, we too, as disciples of Christ, are to be servants of all. I'm going to end there tonight. I'm sure there's a lot more we can learn and glean from this week on this topic, the role of a servant. For a lot of us, it's not, it's not new. But no matter where we are in our walk with God, a new beginning person in Christ, a mature saint in Christ, we all can struggle with the role of being a servant from time to time. And I pray that we can find a place of humility, find a place with the Lord at some time this week, spend some time with God, check our hearts, ask the Holy Spirit to help and guide us. We naturally aren't inclined to serve, but oh, this is where the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in our lives helps us to reflect more of him in his ways than our own. God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget to join us in our nightly broadcasts at 7 p.m.